Welcome to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, we'd, we'd started a conversation about inspiration. Mm-hmm. And as the program is about food and wine, and our inspiration towards food and wine, motivation, and, and, and all of that. And that made me think about books. It made me think about the cookbook, like the cookbook, the wine book, the thing that it's on your grandmother's shelf. It's the thing you see it in the bookstore and it mm-hmm. catches your eye and it sparks your imagination. Yeah. And I think that that's probably for people who are into food and wine or, or many other topics. But there, there have to be certain things, certain almost holy documents. <laughs> right. There, you know, there certainly are for me. There's certain like pictures that stick in your head from, you know, like I. Immediately in my mind, the, the Paul Bocuse Regional French Cooking Book. Oh, definitely. The, the Poached Pears. Huge inspiration. The yes. Poached Pears. You know, the so, perfect poached pear, sort of done, right on the cover. But done in that like, ridiculous light. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was a boudoir photographer or not that took that photograph. <laughs> you know, but but that, like, yes. you, could, you could feel the texture of that pear. Mm-hmm. And you, you could, could taste, taste it. You could taste the acidity <laughs> of the wine. Yes. You know, right? and, and, and the sweetness there. So... But there have to be certain things, and I thought it might be interesting if we talked about some of those things that inspired us mm-hmm. that maybe and, – and listeners, please email us, foremanwolfwypr.org. Let us know, was there the book? Was there that document? Was there that was photograph? Maybe the TV show. That TV show. Yeah, like Julia Child shows. and Pierre Frenet. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. And you the know, Galloping Gourmet. Cuisine Rapide. Right? All those shows yeah. were so amazing. Oh, my God, I met that guy. That's so cool. When 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 the Polo Grill opened here in 1990. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I, I was there for the first bit. And one of the first night he was came I to do. M- you worked there. He mm. came to do an M- MPT show. Okay, that's cool. And uh, and boom, he came into dinner there. <laughs> and I recall having a long conversation with him about wines from Macon. Nice. And I had a Saint on the list. Wow. And I, he was all excited. That's nice. That's so great. It was solidly mediocre Saint but he was so excited to actually find one on a list. Well, that's nice. You know, like a modest Burgundian wine, which now the winemaking is so much stronger. That some of them are excellent. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but that that's uh, yeah. So what what are some of the other books that were inspirations for you? I mean that 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 book whose regional book is a is a big one mm-hmm. is a big one because it's really concise and it really codifies certain dishes. I have given that to many cooks for Christmas gifts. And I have the the hard copy, the soft copy. I mean, I think I have like three copies of that book. It's and we bought one when we were in France many many years ago. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite books that I have. The um, the recipes are are strong. Mm-hmm. Though some of the translations of the recipes and the English measures are not great. They're only so strong. Yeah, you you have to be careful. I mean, especially with a chef that was you know older at the time. Um, I think they didn't maybe have a lot of confidence when they wrote those cookbooks for the American public. 
I don't know that they had a lot of confidence in the American public that we would have the product that they do. So sometimes the, they would substitute things, especially in books that are even older than that one. Um, you, you just have to take that all with a grain of salt because now we have, you know, a lot of the same products that they do or things that are similar. It's funny, though, interpreting some of the recipes that – so you know that uh, for a long time there's, there's a pastry book that I have that oh. I love. Yes. It's just great desserts. And it's huge. It's a big it's book. It's huge. Heavy. And it's a big amalgam of desserts. Gosh, I don't know. That thing's got, got to have 300 pages. It, it's all translated from the Italian. Uh, it's, it's priceless, that book. And, and all of the recipes are excellent. That's so good. And so, it would, so the origin of that book is it's, it's from a culinary school. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's from a culinary well, no school. no wonder it's so good. In, okay. In Como. So oh. <laughs> near near Milano. Oh wow! Right, and it is all of these recipes from all over. So what's it called? Great desserts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, was, I remember it's it had a kind print, of. It's been out of print for a long well, time. Well, but you can probably find copies of it. But for someone like me, I'm not an intuitive pastry mm-hmm. cook. Yeah, I, I, you're not an intuitive pastry cook, though. Yes, you make I am. excellent pastries. <laughs> Oh boy, I am, but I'm sure I just don't. Are. I am, just but I just don't. Things. I just don't love it. Certain things that the big terrine falan that you make is mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, the pound cake, amazing. It, but, you know, with with pastry, it's all about the science aspect of it, and you have to have a recipe. Uh, pastry is not Those winning recipes it. Are so we're so good. Yeah, that's great. And, it's a great book. All right, so great desserts. Is there an author or no? Just no, an Italian I, 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 pastry I went book looking, great We talked about doing desserts. this, and I went looking for it, and I'm like, oh, mm. there's some chef or pastry chef I loaned it to at some point that I'm sure never gave it back to me. Oh, wow. Because I went looking through, like, I have, you know, sort of mm. silly mm-hmm. stacks, like stacks of cookbooks and wine books, and mm-hmm. I try to sort some of the Italian stuff, but that it's it's one of the only pastry books that I have. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot of great pastry books out there, but you know anything done by a, a traditional, you know whatever you're looking for, whether it's traditional French pastry or um, you really want to buy a book that's concentrating on pastry. Um, you know a lot of the uh, chefs will do some pastry at the end, but you know the Culinary Institute produces an incredible pastry book. So and the nice thing about that, it gives you all the basic recipes. And and I was going to say that's another good route to go. The moment you mentioned that that was an Italian cooking school, I mean any of the the Culinary Institute's uh, uh, books are great for learning, uh, great to have as a resource. Escoffier Le Guide is great to have as a resource. Um, you know those are things that when you're like ah oh, I forget exactly how many eggs to butter, you know for Hollandaise, you know those are the wonderful uh books for those those recipes or you know I really want to make a vinaigrette but again I can't remember how much how much acid do I put what's the ratio um and those books um you know they're perfect because they were they're built for culinary schools so they're tried and true hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times over right because those are their those are their workbooks um so those are great great uh books to get and then you know all the other ones are just you know it's so wonderful to have you know Thomas Keller's viewpoint on how to make a, you know a, a a torchon, and his descriptions go into such great detail. His books are very reliable and true. Um, Bocuse's books are very reliable and true. You were just mentioning uh, the one uh, about regional French cooking, but there's so many, and there's a textbook volume of um, of his that I mean, <laughs> you could just buy that cookbook and ha- be happy for the rest of your life. It would teach you so much. Um, it's probably 400 pages, but 
you know, those books, those books really teach you. And then the great chefs, as I started to say, really give you uh, their version of how to do things and obviously their own personal cooking that they've developed over however many years they've been working is such an incredible gift that they share that. Well, I think there, there's a divide, right? That bifurcation in cookbooks where it's either about being pretty and about a concept and about, you know, that the, the whole vibe of some restaurant or some particular chef mm-hmm. um, or it's somehow more educational, whether that's regional, whether that's, you know, a, a cooking from a particular nation being codified. Mm-hmm. Or specific um, philosophy or, like molecular cooking, things like that. I mean, yeah. if you pick up any of the Obuli cookbooks, you're, if you don't know how to cook, you're going to look at it and go, uh, I don't really know. If, what, if you do know how to cook, you're going to look at it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there's that too. I mean, you know, those books, the, the molecular cooking books are so extreme in that because it is molecular cooking and it's a totally different approach to, say, old, you know, world French cuisine, uh, the classic cooking of France or the old world cooking of Italy or Spain or, you know, any country. And um, so that's another thing to think about when you're buying books is, you know, what are you really after? You know, is it I want something gorgeous for my coffee table, you know, then buy one of these great, you know, photographic journals that are just, you know, beautiful things to look at and are incredibly inspiring to see as well. Or are you really trying to learn something? So you need specific, you know, teachings. And you see and people will come in. They'll come into restaurants now and they'll order menus that are totally just impulsive Mm -hmm. instead of trying to have some level of balance in their menu and enjoying, you know. Things that are light and things that are fresh and things that Cold, are hot. Of, of very savory and things that are a bit sweeter and like mm-hmm. balance. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I, I mean, even I struggle when I have a party at home because entertaining at home is so different from entertaining in the restaurant, obviously. And you were always very, very good at that. So you, you, that has always been something that is really your strong point is understanding how to put the whole thing together. And that's you're also, you know, you're. While you have done plenty of cooking in your lifetime, you are a front of the house person, and that is, you know, your real world. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, the, the reality. That's your expertise. Is what, is... What, kind of what I end up doing for a living, big picture wise, ends up being the coming from flipping through that book on her. That's like, so cool. She 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 definitely never opened it. She definitely never opened. Oh, it. you're talking about your grandmother. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe she did. But really? Uh, may... Okay. Well, well, God, her mother was an amazing cook, and she was a wonderful woman. But she was not, not a good, not cook. however, a talented cook. <laughs> no, she wasn't. But she liked to entertain. I'll, I'll never forget when she put the peanuts in the meatballs. Ew! It's like, oh, <laughs> darn it! That's just one of those like scarring, <laughs> scarring food things. Oh my God, from... she she was a super special lady. I, oh, I yeah. loved but her let, grandmother. Let, yeah, that that, mm. def- that definitely said it in my yeah, brain. Yeah, that's a little scary when you're. Great Ten. grandmother, fried chicken and pickles. <laughs> oh yeah, beautiful. Oh yes, <laughs> great. Yeah, great in kitchen. Yeah, this like, you know, my grandmother will bring you like nice fresh orange juice, and that is wonderful. That's nice. After that, forget about it. You're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You mentioned that my aunt lived in Huntington, Connecticut, when I was in culinary school, and uh, I went to the CIA, and um, we went to see Martha Stewart uh, in real life at some hotel somewhere. And I think it was in Bridgeport. And she was, you know, it was right after that because I was in school from 85 to 87. So that was just shortly after that book came out. And so she was promoting it and she was doing 
I just remember she walked down like a runway. It was kind of a strange setup. We were all sitting at tables all around. It was very weird. And there was like a stage runway. And she was, first of all, beautiful. I remember that. And um, and she spoke beautifully. And, you know, as a culinary school student, I have to admit I wasn't super enthralled. But um, it was still really fun to see her. And I admired her, quite frankly, for being a very successful woman. So uh, that part of it, I really, really uh, respect and enjoyed. But um, I'll not forget seeing her do that and that was a long time ago but yeah that a big spark from that particular book is a bit of a yeah that's interesting yeah entertaining books are super they're very helpful if they're good yeah you know it's it's you know we i also i'm sitting here i have this menu design in america book um and if you've seen uh, my post about the turkey menu for Thanksgiving, it came right out of this book. Oh, and someone gave me this book. That's a book. very cool piece of art. Oh, my gosh. This book, I highly suggest. So the Menu Design in America book was a gift. It's uh, produced by T-A-S-C-H-E-N, Tashin. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, but, um, oh, my gosh, it starts off in like the 20s with menus from all the old American restaurants. And to me, I love things that are old. And I love the his- – well, obviously, I love the history of the restaurants in our country. And it's just incredible. Incredible to see these old menus and how, I mean, they're sort of provocative. A lot of them have naked people on them. I'm like, it's just, it's, I'm like, I didn't know they did things I, I, like that back then. I think people were naked in the 20s. Oh, from time I don't know time, why they Cindy. would do that. But anyway, so, I mean, and, you know, <laughs> the whole Art Deco thing and like the Palmer House in Chicago and, you know, all these clubs. I mean, it's super cool. I strongly suggest this book if, for people that love the history of you're not working with, with a bunch of old time guys here in town. Oh yeah, I know that's when so cool. I was a kid mm-hmm. at the Governor's Club, the Chancellor Ballroom was the big deal oh. for a long time, huh. and uh, their famous maitre d'hotel Harry Wilson and Anderson Smith, who oh, I've heard I you loved, say who his was name a, big a million times, mentor for me in mm-hmm. in, in the front and kind of like how to approach it. Anderson had menus from there. And man, they they were amazing. So the Chanticleer was and, and like forty cents for a Manhattan. Oh gosh, I know that's the crazy thing to see. You know, Where was that? That wasn't at the governor's. That was that was. Oh, this is a this is a sad change over time. Chanticleer, uh, if you recall, where the hippo was. Yeah. That's the location. Oh, okay. All right. So was it a, just a freestanding restaurant or was it in a hotel? Or? It, it was a freestanding restaurant. Oh, that's cool. All right. All right. And, you know, and, and place for dancing and all that. Well, that's that like when we went to Gage and Tulner in New York when we were opening uh, the Southern Restaurant in D.C. Um, you know, seeing those old menus on the wall and seeing, you know, the Cokes or, you know, and we also went to that place in Savannah, that old barbecue restaurant oh, yeah. in Savannah, and seeing the menus where the Cokes were more expensive than the food. You know, you know, ten cents for a hot dog or something. I mean, it's I love seeing those old menus. Well, when we come back on Formidable Phone Food and Wine, we'll talk more about cookbooks, more about inspiring wine books as well, uh, menus, entertaining, and we'll see if we can keep Cindy off of the naked people from the 1920s <laughs> here on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about cookbooks and inspiration and, and, uh, and, and menus. Well, and, and new times. Some, yeah, exactly. And so, but let, let's actually get to some of the books that were the things that, like, along the way that you're like, ooh, and it really kind of sparked you in a direction. Yeah. George Blunk's uh, 
cookbook. Nah, I knew that'd I, be on I, your I, list. You know it. I, and I have two copies of that because I'm afraid something will happen to my first one. And that's his original. His original book. And it's it's a uh, the photographs are beautiful, inspiring, educational. The recipes are inspired. <laughs> I mean, it really indicates what he was like as a as a uh, sort of a chef in the mid uh, part of his career. Um, and it's so seasonal. And at that time, people weren't really talking about seasonal cooking. Yeah. This my no, they, my chef gave it to me. Marcelo Vasquez gave me the book. I remember the first time I looked at that with you, and all I could think was, look. This guy's seasonal, he's creative, he's natural. Absolutely. And clever. Very clever. And, and, you know, and, and all of those things were, that in and of itself was entertaining. That, the fact that, that there was a playfulness yeah. that was there. And freshness. Like, yeah. Like the colors were vibrant. Like back then, oftentimes people would overcook green vegetables or, or if they were making a puree, they would cook it quite a while. And he was making, you know, an English pea puree that was bright green and, you know, working with vegetables where they were al dente because, of course, he was part of the Nouvelle Cuisine movement and very interested in making healthy cooking and, and you know, using all the local product in his extremely abundant farming region that is so spectacular. I mean, he's impressed. So he's, you know, got the best chickens in France. He's, you know, just incredibly. Yeah, you're tucked in between Burgundy and, oh, uh, and What a place Lyon, to be you know. for a chef. Yeah, and he has a hotel. Um, you know, they basically now currently own almost the whole little well, village. Well, it, it was his mom's It was mom's, place, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's so cool about him is that his mother was the original cook. Yeah, La Mère Blanc. Right, and she was famous. And I just, you know, of course, that's extremely inspirational for me. And, um, you know, the food was just good cooking when she was the chef. And it was a place for people to stop when they were traveling. Here comes a Michelin guide. People are on their way somewhere. Do you stop there or not? You know, that's what the Michelin guide used to be all about. And, um, yeah, his his book is will always, always continue to inspire me, that particular book. And I have plenty of his other books, but that, well, I, and of course, for me, my mentor was Marcelo, and his restaurant in Charleston was 35 seats. So it was in an old hotel, and, and um, there was actually a real home dining room um, in the restaurant. And uh, that's where we did our private dining. And often Marcel and I would go down, uh, go into the room and, you know, we would have a bite to eat. We'd try something that we wanted to make the next day. Um, he would, you know, teach me about a wine. So we'd have a glass of wine. And that was, he, he gave me many, you know, wonderful books when at those moments. And of course, I'll never forget the moment he gave me that. And of course he signed it and he has passed away. He has also done one of our radio shows. So if you would like to hear him speak, he is yeah, you can always look up podcast, a, a one previous, of our podcasts, previous programs. Marcelo on, Vasquez, uh, the, who, the, the WIPR know. website, wipr.org. Mm -hmm. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and uh, you can look for that Marcelo Vasquez. Yeah, and he, and he was just an incredible chef. So, you know, that book and um, my father, uh, one of the first cookbooks my father ever gave me was Michel Garrard, who to this day is one of my greatest inspirations. And it was his uh, lighter cooking book. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have that. Cuisine Monsieur. Yeah, that book is in tatters, you know, and my father signed it. My father has also passed away. So those two books mean just everything to me and have inspired me and continue to inspire me and always will. Uh -huh. uh, but any of Michel Garrard's books, again, are just incredible. So you can't go wrong with anything that yeah, no, chefs that, have done. And Garrard remains a <sighs> superb restaurant. I mean, that. You just ate we, there. We're just there in uh, September. and Yeah. 
It was lovely. I, the last time lovely. I was there was unfortunately before COVID. It's been too long. I have not been able to get back to France, which is very hard uh, for me as a chef and, and Don't as worry, a human I'll talk being. to everybody for you. <laughs> and I love chef and uh, always get to speak to him when I'm there. But I often I have gone there a couple of times now for almost five days, five or six days, and I just eat there day and night, day and night at all of his restaurants in the little village there. And it's I will tell you if you can ever go there, it is one of the greatest, uh, peace, most peaceful, beautiful relaxing, inspirational vacations you can ever take yourself on, quite frankly, especially if you like to cook and if you like to eat. Well, I mean, honestly, and drink. That, it's funny, just like many things that get turned into excess and bad ideas, the, the, the joke that you think of as spa cuisine, I mean, it comes from his original book, Cuisine Monsieur. Absolutely. And that's just making, th- it's just having things be lighter, lots of flavor. Yeah. Well, his, you know. ho- his hotel was a spa. It was his wife's father's, and I'm not sure how far it goes back before that, but, of course, they have the um, baths there. So yeah. that has been a famous place for, you know, probably thousands of years where people went to take the baths. So, of course, their hotel was the real meaning, as you say, like the cookbook of a spa. It was all about being healthy, going there and getting healthy. So Chef just, you know, <laughs> that was his, con- you know. It was and part it, of the program. It, yeah. Right, and well, and he had his three-star Michelin restaurant, in Paris, he had just gotten his third star when his wife's father passed away, and they they took over the the hotel. So he actually left Paris after that amazing accomplishment. I want to say that was in the seventies, and um, they went down to uh, uh, south of Bordeaux, where the where the place is, and Eugène Les Bains is the name of the town, and um, and took over the spa and hotel and the restaurants. So yes, very inspirational. What what other books for you, Tony? I mean, the first one that really, it's, I mean, it, of course, I'm thinking about wine. I mean, and that there's, like, it might be cool to say Alexis Lachine's book. I didn't like it that much. I mean, I'm sure he was a brilliant guy, but I just, it, it, it seemed very, you know, I don't know, stilted to me. Um, I kept, and maybe there are only so many things that there were translations of. Um, there were lots of people sort of like posing. And then I came across, and this is early 90s, Burton Anderson's The Great mm. Domains of Burgundy. Okay. And I don't know that it's the it, that it it's even all that relevant anymore in some ways. Uh, but it was the first time I saw wine in like like map of a village, Von Romanet brought to life mm-hmm. with Every premier crew in Leo D, all oh, the different particular yeah. vineyard sites and grown crews, all delineated, and then showing you the all the the data of the, you know how many hectares there are. Oh, that's great! How many domains hold pieces of those hectares? Wow, so, that's I mean, a the, lot of research. And yeah, I mean obviously, and then the listing of you know here are these six great domains in this, and there's an opinion piece, obviously, to it, in this village, and here's the story of those domains, and this is how they work. That's awesome. And if nothing else, it really taught me a lot about how to put away information on wine and its production and in the place. All, all of the background that you need to, to get to where you can taste, understand, and, and feel all the influences behind the content of your glass. And does it talk about the soil and everything too? It talks about well, soil types. It that's talks amazing. About and what's the name of the book? 
the great domains of Burgundy. And I'm pretty certain it's out of print. So it's not been updated. Burton Anderson. Okay. All right. No, because, I mean, honestly, it was such a detailed snapshot. Okay. And there have been so many changes. Like every generation will change, especially under French inheritance laws, are very complicated. Mm-hmm. But that, that, was, that was the one that, that taught me how to think about wine information and deal with it. And it definitely taught me become an expert in one place. And then it's much easier to take that expertise because you know how to achieve it. Yeah. And a system of thought. That's great. You know, and, and take that to another place. Take that to Bordeaux. Take that to Borolo. You know take what that to look to for Napa now. Valley. Yeah, you figured it take, out, so now you exactly. know what to look for. And, and, That's a and, very interesting, good way, common sense way and, of looking at and it all. Interesting, but, but again, without the example of how to think about it, mm-hmm. it's a little bit like that, that entertaining book. Mm-hmm. You know, with, like, I can do all kinds of stuff. But I didn't know exactly how to think about it without the example. Yeah, I understand. Got you know, it. And, yeah, and, makes and, sense. And I think that 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 was important. And I, and every time I see a wine book come out, I'm always kind of measuring it against. I bet. And you you also like the uh, Hugh. Well, Hugh Johnson. There's a difference between a reference. Okay. Hugh Johnson's World Atlas of Wine, I think, is the most important wine. If you care about wine, if you want to know about wine, that's the most important wine book. And he updates so, that, right, Tony? Well, he or, and Jancis Robinson. Okay. That, that as a reference, as a, what's on this label? Why is, you know, yeah. what does this mean? Like That's great. It's a great reference. It has great maps and it gives you a good bit of story. But it doesn't give you that that expertise in one area. It, it's a very good broad wide, glance. Yeah, yeah. And will answer a lot of basic questions as you go across the wide swath of wine. I remember looking at that in the 80s before I went to culinary school Which, because Daddy had one of his books. That was, I think, they only had the little... Well, 71 is when it first came out. Yeah, so maybe maybe he had one of the originals, but oh, I wonder where that is. Wine came from his passion for gardening. Oh, interesting. That's cool. <laughs> wow. Well, it makes he, sense. He, yeah, I mean, it, I, mean, well, I mean, it does make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's farming. I mean, why, why do yeah. I... Why do I spend so much time talking to farmers about ingredients for sure, restaurants? Of course, it's all yeah. this. I mean, it's it's all for the table. It's what we Things live are by. Grown for it's the what table. we live by. This product, great product. Yeah, yeah. Everything that we well, do comes and, from farming. And then the question is, farming. What, what can you do with it? Heirloom tomatoes come every year, right? We buy the first four weeks and maybe a little bit from a site in eastern Baltimore County that's very warm. Mm-hmm. And and the the water temperature is moderating that, and it's, right? Yeah. And then as the season goes along, we go west <laughs> into into northern Carroll County, so we end up with this very long season and for heirloom tomatoes. Wow! Did we this year? And Literally last week, yeah. I got heirloom tomatoes. I, that was the end of it. But I'm like, I can't even believe. Oh, is that? I can't even believe. La- lack of real Indian summer, and then the storms that blow out afterwards. Wow! Amazing. But but I mean, that's it's the same the same thought process, understanding, you know, the, the differences in sites. Well, and getting to meet with a winemaker, tasting from the barrel, I mean, those experiences. And, and of course, I've said it a million times, getting to sit down and eat with some of their families in their but home, that, 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 <gasps> those are the most amazing cooking experiences I've ever had in my life. That That's coming from the books. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, Got it. that's me being inspired by book, the book whose book. And... And then finding out about wine for it, and then wanting to go to the play. You know, that's yeah, full circle. Yeah, needing so, to see the origin of of the products. 
Yeah, I and think understanding the culture and the people. I'm looking forward to as my as my daughters grow interest. We'll see um, in in food and in wine and what they'll take from my shelves. Right, and well, you know, and also you've taken them to Europe. I mean, those those are life changing experiences, and that's a great gift that you give to your children. Really, truly, that's yeah. amazing. And, you know, they will respect other people's cultures because of it. And all kinds of great things come from that. Open what, minds. What else is on your cookbook list? Okay, Danielle Bouillou, My French Cuisine. I love the fact. When did that come out? Uh, that... I don't have it with me, but... Um, is that early it, 90s? I wanna, no, it's not that old. No, no, I would say this was, well, you know, time goes by too fast, but I would say it was 10, 12 years ago. Um, but, it, it, oh my gosh, I bought it the moment it came out. I love, first of all, I respect him, chefs, greatly and love, have eaten in his restaurant over a period of many years. As a matter of fact, I ate at Le Cirque when he was the chef there when I was in culinary school with my mother and father. When he was the chef at Le Cirque that was in the location where Danielle is now, it was an intercontinental hotel then. My father used to do business in, in New York, would stay in the hotel, used to eat his food. And so we went there when I, uh, the weekend before I graduated from culinary school and I've been eating his food ever since then. And um, what I love about this particular book, and again, I will say any of his books are amazing, uh, but this particular book shows the old classic ways of doing things and a more modern way of doing things, which I just love that. I mean, it's uh, – of course, I like the, the the classic way. And, you know, he's French. He knows how to do these things and uh, with perfection. And um, and then to see the other version of it is just really a lot of fun. And um, I cherish that book very much. And then uh, the other person that is – you know, again, it stems from the fact that she had La Varenne in Paris, a cooking school. And again, I highly respect her because she's a woman, but mostly her books are incredible as Anne Willen. And I will never forget one of the very first times I was a finalist for James Beard Award. And that was back in the day when I think you were with me. We were in the Essex House Hotel. It was in the ballroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were sitting on banquet chairs. It was what, the way it used to be at the Beard Awards. Now it's like the Academy Awards. But um, I, I sat right behind her. I almost had a heart attack when I realized she was sitting in front of me. She was obviously being nominated for uh, one of her cookbooks. And um, I, I, I got to talk to her. And I was just – it was a great moment in my life. But her book – and I'm sorry I didn't write it down, but you can find it. They have a chateau in Burgundy that they bought. And um, it's called Chateau de Fay. And um, that book is also one of my very favorites of hers. But um, I have Country Cooking of France in front uh, as another uh, written down as one of my favorite books of hers. It's a very, very good. But all of her books are incredible. Yeah. But the Chateau de Fay is really fun because it talks about the journey of them buying the chateau. She's English. So, you know, an English couple buying this French chateau and meeting with the original farmer and the lady that, you know, worked in the kitchen and the gardeners and meeting the folks in the village. And it's just magical, magical, magical. And the recipe of recipes are perfection again. My my late coming book. And she's a nice woman, too. We, she really is. We had that event for her promoting her book at Louis years ago. Very and elegant. Very I was going to say kind, gracious. Honestly. Very normal. Very intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not not no, she was not, just not put down on to earth. Anyway. She's super down to earth, yeah. You, you know, before that our Italian restaurant opened, I spent a bunch of time going back and forth, a bunch of time researching. In Italy. In Italy. Yes. A bunch of time like a bunch and of time trying to learn. The chef and the new chef. Yeah. To 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 learn regions and like on and on and 
and I couldn't find anything, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd seen and I'd had Bujali's book, You're saying which you was really nice. It. You're saying you couldn't find Italian cookbooks at I, the time. I, I couldn't find In anything English. that really codified, you know, Italian cooking. Yeah, I wonder why that is. And 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 it because you could find regional stuff, and I was still just beginning to learn some Italian. But so we opened in '07. In '09, I can't believe it's been that long. In in '09. La Cucina Italiana comes out in Italian, translated into English a year later. Rizzoli is the publisher. That is an amazing book. R-I-Z-Z-O-L-I. Yeah, I don't have a copy of that. I gave you that. I need that book. I think I have an extra, so I'll just I would love to have it, yeah. But that is tremendous. And recipes tested to death. And the thing, the thing about Italy that's different than anywhere else hmm. is the variations can be small. Um, sometimes recipes can be a bit can seem simple. Um, sometimes they they seem unnecessarily complicated. Every region is very different from each other. Think about Italy geographically, oh, yes. how separated it is, yeah. and economically how separated it is region by region. Not just north to south, but I mean, literally, like Puglia to Calabria, it's not that easy. Right. <laughs> it's easier by boat than it is going overland. Well, in the Alto Adige. Or Abruzzo, Abruzzo to Tuscany. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. The mountain range, like spine in the center of the country. Yeah. I mean, so having things, and and from you know, it's about it's it's using black kale, and there's a recipe from Tuscany where mm-hmm. you mostly see it. But there's also one from Northern Liguria, and there's also one from Friuli, and there's also one from Abruzzo, and there's also one from Sardinia. I mean, <laughs> and, and they're all different, you know. That, that's, the, that's the thing that's very cool is because you get to see through all of these lenses in one spot. Anyway, when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time on cookbooks and inspiration from cookbooks and wine books, and then... Cindy's going to have to suffer through a chef's challenge. Lord help her. Good heavens. On Formula Wolf on Food and Wine or WIPR. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. It's Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about cookbooks and inspiration and those first things that so fun. got our attention. Yeah. I love it, this topic. <laughs> it, it, it's a well, and, and it's an important one because it is. like that's that that first thing that you flip through that gets your attention, that gets a picture in your brain. It's you how know. we learn. I mean, honestly, it's also like you'd mentioned before about TV programs, seeing how someone conducts themselves, like like the galloping gourmet, I was like, "No, I'm not like that." <laughs> you know, it's funny. The, the book that I have, just like the only food book that I have sitting out, almost all the time, is this strange. I may have shown you at some point a strange small book with no pictures. It's in German. It's all on Tyrolese cooking. You know, the, oh, the wow. from the Alto Adige, the, well, the, I'd like the to see that. 
I don't think I've seen and that. And recipes are very detailed. There's so much food that just makes me happy mm-hmm. that's in there, that like canoodle recipes and all the variations. Uh, yum. Like how canoodle with six different kinds of mushrooms, you know, and slight variations in all those recipes because of the different mushroom properties. Um, Schlutzkrapfen, and oh. how to make the cheese to, to fill it. Schlutzkrapfen are kind of ravioli. Yum. How to make the cheese to fill it, what to do um, to make it as a sweet thing, you know, what different kinds of broth to serve with, or what do you do to when you make the brown butter. Like in every season, like it's crazy. The canu- I can never get nettles. And one of the best things I've ever eaten in my entire life up at the, the Brezov, mm-hmm. uh, right up near the border there between Austria and Italy, mm-hmm. were the canoodle that he makes. With nettles. With, with nettles in the spring. Oh. And the, the, there is a, a very, like, you know, there's certain things you taste them in the spring. It's like life. Sure. Like that, the first asparagus that you have, like you can, you can feel a captured sunlight. And like some kind of like life force yeah, is the there. Yeah, the season is ending and one the, is beginning. The 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 little bird, like you know the the thing in the spring that happens is the end of death, right? <laughs> that the that flavor, that spark. Like you bite you bite into that canoodle and that's it's there, and it was real. I mean, super moving. Mm. So I keep that around purely as like a comfort. Like I think tomorrow's coming, you know. <laughs> and there's right. happiness in this book. And here, here are all the secrets to happiness. It's kind of, you know. Right in that little book. Yeah, well, I, I, I picked this one up, the Picayune Creole Cookbook, when I was in New Orleans. My, New Orleans, uh, quite a few years ago, my pastry chef was married there. And um, I hit this antique store and found this book, and I treasure this book so much. And, you know, just, just the Louisiana rice uh, chapter on, you know, shrimp jambalaya and you know how how all the different rice dishes and you know the creole recipes and i mean this book is 100 years old over 100 years old you know a little shrimp jambalaya for family meal would be pretty nice all right tony you got it i can do that <laughs> that would be fun to do oh that's a good sunday one because you know now that we're open on sundays that i always try to make a special meal on sunday thanking the folks who are working and um, that would be fun actually i'll do that I'm i'll do that this i'll make sure you there thursday be a good thursday all right one. all right <laughs> Um, but one of the just what you said just stimulated a, a thought, and 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 that is that if you you know some of my favorite cookbooks that I've had, because I concentrated on Southern cooking um, really strongly in in ninety three uh, ninety three yeah when we opened uh, the Southern restaurant in DC, um, I got the Carolina uh, Housewives cookbook and the Virginia Housewives cookbook. The amazing thing about that is the recipes are you know a piece of history. Um, they're things that were passed down from daughter to, you know, grandmother to daughter. And also it teaches you things how to do, like make soap. Yeah, the recipes you know, are like how, how to run your household. Yeah, that's what, when you were talking about the German dinner. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, these women had to do everything. And, um, you know, those books are incredible. It's, it's, it's just fascinating to read them and see, you know, all the stuff that they, you know, and, and you know, medicine, natural medicines, all those things are in there. There is a. Cheese making book. Mm. There is a cheese broker in Arona in Lombardia, uh, north of Milan, right up on like near Lake Maggiore, Lake Orta rather. And I've been. I just got a notification that 
they've written a book on oh how Italian cheese is made. Oh, that's exciting. You know, and that I think I've shown you pictures in that cellar where the cave by the lake where they have just like thousands of, you know, pieces in this couple of thousand year old cave. That's amazing. Of things all that's aging at the same time, cheese. perfect conditions and oh yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah. So I can't I can't wait to to go through that guy. So are you ready? Yeah. Let's do a chip challenge. Okay, here we go. I think I said that right. All right. <laughs> So weird. <laughs> we, we don't do that many chef challenges anymore. Okay. No. Recently. Mm-hmm. So just to remind listeners, chef's challenge, we slide each other a list of ingredients and conditions sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that poor person has to figure out what in the world to do with all of that. <laughs> all right. Here we to go. To make a dish or dishes. All right. So what's my condition? Is there one or no? Your condition is uh, you're in your kitchen, which is you like that. Yes. Not a commercial kitchen. Yes. And um, and you have a bunch of random things, obviously dropped off by some grocery shopping service. <laughs> what? That would never happen. But no processed ingredients. No, of course that would never happen. I can't read some of this as usual. I'll read you the hey, ingredients. Why don't you read it to me and I'll ground I'll read veal. you the ingredients. Ground okay. veal breadcrumbs. All right. You have pantry. You have your dairy. That, that, any dairy you need. Ground veal breadcrumbs, pine nuts, red Russian kale, guanciale, cannellini beans, Six-month pecorino. You can't read your own handwriting. (laughs) That was the pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) Six-month pecorino. Bluefin tuna. Yay. Pink grapefruit. Ooh. Capers. Red onion. Chives. Fresh mints. It's like you did it in order, Tony. Uh, Okay. So the bluefin tuna, obviously first course. I'm going to garnish it with the pink grapefruit. So we do what we call supremes. So we remove the entire exterior, including the pith of the grapefruit. And I love pink grapefruit. Oh my gosh, I could eat a bowl of that right now. And um, you go in and out. So you're basically pulling out the beautiful uh, uh, pieces of the grapefruit without any of the not fun part. And um, they can be really pretty. And um, so I'll, I'll do that first. Keep it cold, and then I will squeeze every bit of juice out of everything that I just removed from the grapefruit um, because that will be my acid for my bluefin tuna tartare that I'm making. So finally, chopped red onion, and I would do even finer than a brunoise, which is the smallest of dice. You said ch- this is the word is chives? Yeah. And then I forgot yeah. what you said that last word was? Fresh mint. Fresh mint. Okay. So uh, chives, really finely chopped, the red onion, a little bit of caper, uh, bluefin tuna, cut into very, you know, clean it. Um, dice it into a beautiful, you need a very, very sharp knife so you can do a beautiful uh, fine dice of that. Hit it with the uh, a little bit of pink grapefruit juice, uh, extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper, and um, that is your bluefin tuna tartare. I like the idea of uh, those pine nuts up there, toasting them uh, lightly and garnishing with a little bit. I might crush them a little bit and uh, have them go around the outside of the tartare and sort of let you decide how much of that you want to add to your tartare. And then I am definitely cooking those cannellini beans and with the guanciale. And uh, at the end, once the cannellini beans are cooked, um, it says pantry. Does that mean I have – I don't know. That doesn't mean I have stock. Do I have any stock? Sure. There's no stock on here. All right. So I'll cook them in a light chicken stock with the, with the uh, guanciale and a little bit of the oil from the guanciale. Right? It's packed in oil, is it? No. I mean no? it's its own fat. Yeah. Um, and um, – oh, I'm thinking they're peppers. I'm yeah. thinking of those peppers. Sorry, no, guanciale no, is the, the, the pig. The, the jowls, uh, yeah. The jowls. Okay, all right. The, strong, sorry. the strongest flavored sorry, sorry. pork that you have. Okay, on, yeah. so the pork with the cannellini beans, and actually, I don't need stock, so water. 
Um, and I will cook that slowly until the beans are nice and tender, then season it with salt and pepper, a little bit of cayenne. Um, I'll, I'll have some bay leaf in there while they're cooking, little black peppercorns in there while it's cooking. Um, I really would like some onion in there. And so the Good beans the, the beans will be cooked. And then at the end, I'm going to just chiffonade the red uh, Russian kale and add it to the beans at the end, which will be a lot of fun. And um, I'm going to make uh, meatballs with the ground veal and um, just a little bit. You know, veal is a delicate flavor. So salt, pepper, again, tiny bit of cayenne, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, uh, fresh uh, thyme and the breadcrumb. And I'm going to add the cheese to that, the six-month pecorino. I'm going to put a little bit of that in with the breadcrumb and the um, veal and make little meatballs and cook that in the bean broth. Um, And then uh, I I will also um, pick up, add a little bit of that six-month pecorino. So that's that. Okay. Your turn. I guess I made it a little obvious. The, the stuff that's in my brain. Yeah, you did it in order, but that's took, funny. But took, it's all good. I, right. I, sh- I shook it up a little bit. So your so, situation's at the bottom. Dinner party for six, three courses and hors d'oeuvres. Okay, well, I've, I can do that in a couple of minutes. Mm. <laughs> uh, lamb shank, Tioga beets, pearl onions, carrots, turnips, lamb stock, uh, local fingerling potatoes, collard greens, rouge pumpkin, all spices and herbs, pantry full, mustard greens, apples, well, the mustard greens and apples already bagged to be made into a salad, so that's a, you just need a little bit of sweetness in the dressing, maybe a side of vinaigrette. I've, I've done this thing recently where I mix vinegars a little bit. That's fun. About two-thirds cider and one-third balsamico. Okay. That's good. And, I like that. Uh, a really reductive balsamico yeah. or one of the lighter no, ones? No, one of, one of the lighter ones. Okay. Balsamico condimento. Okay. Called. Very nice. And uh, if there are walnuts in the pantry, then I would... Just yeah, stuff sure. through walnuts or, yeah, or nice. even make little uh, croutons with the uh, toasted walnuts and, and flavor the butter to make the croutons in. And, and so then you have the crouton and the walnuts. Um, let's see. What else? The fingerling potatoes. Uh, let's make them into a soup. Hmm. Yeah, let's make them into a soup. You have that nice lamb stock. You have carrots. A little carrot in a potato soup I find nice. Uh, and makes it want. Uh, I mean, that's you said. There's, there's dairy. Sure. There's dairy. Yes. So yeah, that fingerling's not super starchy. It'll come across as a little bit sweet. I'd want something a little bit spicy. If I have, uh, if I have a little bit of Calabrian chili or something in the pantry, then that's what I was thinking when you said a, 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 a the little, guanciale. I've translated yeah. that in my mind to the Calabrian yeah. chilies. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just yeah, just just a, a little bit in really good olive oil, just as a drizzle, as a garnish on the very creamy soup, um, with a little bit of carrot in there to make it even sweeter. Uh, hiding in there, and then you've got uh, that shelga beets and the turnips, which are both long cooking, especially long cooking in stock. Um, in the potato soup I would have made that with just dairy, with maybe a tiny little bit of stock, but the lamb stock too strong for that. The lamb stock I want to use to to braise a lamb shank. With lamb shank, you want a lot of aromatics, and uh, and if there's rosemary in the pantry, or if you have, and uh, it, it's funny, I find that when I dry my own basil, that dried basil is really nice and a broth Good. for braising some braising something. But that's kind of an easy, so you end up with a fingerling potato soup with a little bit of spice. The mustard green and apple salad. What kind of apples can I pick? Yes. Uh, I mean, Fuji's right now are so good. Okay, good. And then uh, the lamb shank with uh, 
the beets and the turnips. I like the beets and turnips together. That sounds with good. With the pearl onions. Yeah, I mean, you have, a, you have a sweet and you have a bitter, and that's That'll nice. That would be fun. So, tasty. Good. You just need wine. You just need an alianico. Okay. What does anyway. mine need? Maybe Grignolino. Lighter red wine from Pimonte. They're like normal everyday stuff. It was a kind of, that's, I mean, polpettine, meatballs, pretty peasant stuff. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> on Former Wolf on Food and Wine. If you want to listen to this or any other one of our programs, as I've said before, please go to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Former Wolf page, and there's a big menu of goodies there to choose from for you. If you want to email with us, uh, correspond via formanwolf at WIPR.org. If you want to follow Chef Sandy Wolf on social media... You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks for listening. Happy Sunday.